Okay, Boker Tov, everyone. Nice to see you all. Um, just apologies with regard to the recording. Uh, we've had some uh, had some bit of hassles here with WhatsApp. Uh, uh, the amounts of data that can be sent on uh, WhatsApp. I don't know. I think I've been reading about this thing that, that I think there's some changes there. But bottom line is we're struggling to get the recording, which seems which is like uh, let's say 45 minutes to an hour long onto. Um, Onto onto your WhatsApp. So until we work it out, we might have to just set up a, a link as opposed to an actual uh, recording. You just click the link and you'll get there. Um, okay. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Um, okay. So last week we were getting involved in uh, one of the major concepts that the Arizal um, focused on in his in his system of Kabbalah. Um, when I say he's, uh, he focused on the idea behind uh, the concepts that we're going to discuss over the next few weeks, uh, I guess are the way of demonstrating what the Rizal, uh, you know, brought to uh, the world of Kabbalah for us to appreciate. Um, and they are, they, because the Rizal's influence on how we work with Kabbalah from a, from a, a Torah point of view even today, uh, essentially, it, it, it essentially, uh, uh, how do you say, diverges paths with, uh, with, with Kabbalah that was studied before him. Um, and so that's why it's important for us to identify exactly the major concepts that um, make the Rizal's Kabbalah uh, unique. So you've heard of a, some of these words you've heard me speak to you about. Um, when we speak about Timtum, the idea of contraction, where Akosh Baruch is an infinite uh, being, and yet he somehow uh, works out a way to create a finite world and uh, for infinity to exist, you know, alongside finitude, is uh, one of the major principles that the Arizal talks about. We, we haven't yet gone into that. Uh, we've spoken about it many times in the past, um, but I want to at some point go into it, um, you know, more deeply. We spoke about the concept of shvirata kalim, you know, the shattering of the vessels, um, and, uh, and and that again is another principle which I want to identify properly and try and um, become as clear as possible about this uh, about these ideas. Um, but you know, the the result starts to come into his own where he develops the concept of of tikkun, um, you know, the the idea of repairing the world. You know, from uh, from the damage that was done at the beginning of uh, of, of creation, um, and then uh, and then you know, with, within this whole concept of tikkun, this is we uh, we got to this idea um, last week, which was uh, looking at the concept of Gilgul of reincarnation and the, and then the Shoma. Now, I chose uh, Gilgul uh, Gilgulim. As uh, as the point of discussion last week, uh, as a result of the fact that it was, uh, I thought, very very exciting, in terms of um, you know what again it was just my suggestion. If I if I was a fly on the wall there at the time when Narizal meets Reb uh, Chaim Vital, you know what would he have said to him as he met him first off, and uh, and, and it would have drawn him in to to uh, to. to to him as a uh, as a mentor, and more than that, he, he would all of a sudden 
this great towering rabbi of Chaim Vital almost, uh, you know, bow his head in submission to the Arizal. Um, and so I think one of the suggestions was to uh, engage in this exciting discussion of uh, the reincarnated souls of, um, you know, of, of people um, as part of the greater understanding of how the world was damaged at the beginning of creation. And, um, and now all of Jewish history, or all of universal history, is to uh, is to come and do a tikkun, a rectification of sorts. And one of the one of the ways that Akash Baruch Hu allows this to happen uh, and 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 watches over this this process of tikkun is through the concept of uh, you know of of Gilgulim. And so we spoke. I, I read out to you um, pieces of uh, the Sefer, a, a book which was uh, written by Rav Chaim Vital. Um, Describing his interactions with Arizal, and um, all of this is in a in a sefer called Shara Gilgulim, you know, the gates of reincarnation, and it's a uh, it's it's essentially the Arizal's theory on on this idea of reincarnation. Now, um, one of the one of the points that I just I think I'll just quickly uh, I just wanted to. Um, make mention of this point before we actually move on. Um, but one of the points is is that the Reb Chaim Vital made a made a comment when describing the greatness, you know, of the Arizal, and um, he uh, he he said as follows uh, in a statement by himself and others that studied the Arizal's Kabbalah. Um, they said that. He um, he was able to indicate where earlier Kabbalists had had made a mistake, or he the Ari had disagreed strongly with various principles um, which earlier Kabbalistic scholars had developed. Um, you know that was just a throwaway line, which which uh, which I mentioned last time we we uh, we discussed this. And I didn't. I didn't give an. I didn't go into an example of it just to show it to you. But I just want to show you how a a, te a teaching which is based on, uh, you know, a millennia old teaching, which finds its way through to the school of Kabbalistic thinking, um, the Arizal went up against it. And um, I guess we 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 are left with. You know, not knowing exactly how to deal with this argument. I mean, we just read it, and uh, it, it it gives us a certain uh, appreciation of deep ideas. Um, but since it has no real practical ramification as such, uh, it's theoretical, philosophical, kabbalistic. Um, it's good to know these different ideas. And um, so, I just wanted to I just wanted to demonstrate uh, one of the one of the major ideas which. Um, I learned about you know almost um, you know thirty years ago when I was still in yeshiva, and it became a very inspiring idea. But you always had to you always had to deal with the fact that the Arizal wasn't um, you know hadn't hadn't bought hadn't bought into this idea. And um, what I want to what I what I want to share with you is this is what I I learned or read um, all those years ago. And uh, it was essentially an attempt to, uh, to, to, to submit a theory as to how to calculate the age of the universe. 
So when uh, we were younger kids and went to and went to Benakiva camp, one of the one of these one of the questions that always came up, you know, for discussion when people were looking for topics, Madrichim were looking for topics to give shiur on. You know, there was always this concept of uh, of of sign having a a certain a certain number. You know, at the time it was like uh, you know, I don't know what it is today, to be honest. But at the, when you know when I was younger, we were talking about fifteen billion years as being um, the amount of years that 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 science uh, puts a physical creation um, existing already at that point in time, um, and of course. Let's call it uh, literal crea- creationist thought um, is is essentially to put the years uh, at five, seven, eight, three as we are in. You know, it's it's uh, a bit under six thousand years old, and so there was always this issue of how to reconcile science and Torah, or to accept that there's a, a debate and 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 one day we'll work out. Um, you know. Which side is correct? Uh, which is, is correct? But yeah, the 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 particular sefer that I came across in the early nineties was um, Rabbi Arya Kaplan's book, uh, which was uh, the first the first essay in the book, uh, which was called Immortality, Resurrection, and the Age of the Universe. Uh, the first essay in the in the sefer is is this essay, The Age of the Universe, and. Um, I think you, we might have touched on it a while back, but his solution or his proposal was to actually uh, make use of Kabbalistic teachings, which the Arizal actually disagreed with, and this was one of the this was one of the major disagreements that um, that the Arizal had with earlier Kabbalists. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to bring it uh, <clears throat> in, into the discussion. So to give you an example of where it, it, it also demonstrates how great Darizal uh, was that he was he was confident enough, you know, to actually disagree with a theory that uh, superseded him by by many 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 centuries, which is always which is often hard hard to do, but uh, but nevertheless, um, the theory that uh, that was was so controversial, at least in the Arizal's eyes, was this concept uh, of sabbatical cycles in uh, in in creation. So this is this is what the this is what the theory uh, suggests, um, and that is as follows. There's a you know there's a there's a, a statement in the in the world of midrash in the Gemara. Um, and that is that the world will exist for six thousand years, and in the seventh uh, seven thousandth year, it will be destroyed. Now, that's that's the statement that we find um, that we that we find in in uh, in our tradition. It's in the Gemara and Masechet Sanhedrin, Tari That's where this particular idea, you know, is is spoken about. So this idea. That uh, the world will, you know, works in such a way. Because Baruch has created it. That um, what's going to happen here is that there's going to be a cycle, you know, a cycle of, uh, you know, of seven thousand years. And um, this particular cycle, 
the question is, how many of these cycles are there? It's almost as if at the end of the cycle, the world returns to a spiritual state which needs no physical um, bearing whatsoever. And um, then everything starts again and another cycle, another cycle starts. Now, this, um, the, the point of contention here, over here is, number one, the actual concept of the cycle. Um, the earlier Kabbalists referred to the fact that this 7,000-year cycle in, in the, that we are in today, there's seven of them. So um, we have, like we have the concept of a sabbatical year, which is a Shemitah, and one, so there's a cycle of seven years, and the seventh year is Shemitah. So yeah, the same thing over here, you have, you have a thousand, each, each thousand years is like one in the cycle of seven. And then the Shemitah year, which is, so to speak, where, you know, the land lasts fallow, and there's no, there's so much more engaged, the idea behind having a sabbatical year, is not just to demonstrate that Hashem is the master of the universe, but it's to also give everybody an opportunity to go and study Torah for a year, uh, you know, and, and, and Parnosa will be taken care of through the socialist system, if you can call it that, where, where food is provided and everybody, you know, sort of pools there, is able to pool resources by allowing people to take what they need um, for, their, for their sustenance. Um, anyway, the idea behind that is on a spiritual plane, you have the same kind of idea. So according to the older theories, just like there are cycles of seven agriculturally within the world of halakha, so you have spiritually in the world of, of, of the universe the same idea. Um, and therefore you have cycles of 7,000 years. Um, and then it starts again. So there are seven cycles of 7,000 years uh, each. And uh, according to this, therefore, the world is destined to exist, you know, for 49,000 years. Okay, fine. That's the, you know, that's the, the, the idea. The question is, you know, where are we and what cycle do we exist? And so, yeah, there's a, there's a debate, you know, that is, uh, that is, that is brought down in various uh, Kabbalistic texts. And, um, you know, what we have in one of the droshes uh, called the Drush Orachayim, um, or another work called Livnata Sapir, these are diff different Kabbalistic works. Both of these works debate this issue. And, um, you know, the Drush Orachayim claims that we, that we are um, in, this, in, the second, in the second year, so the second sabbatical cycle, sorry. And, and the Livnata Sapir argues that we are in the last one, in the seventh cycle. So you know, according to the second opinion, the Livnata Sapir quoting this idea that um, we are in the seventh cycle. So what that means is that at the year 42,000 of creation, that's when Adam was created. And we have now lived in this seventh cycle uh, of a thousand years, uh, of seven thousand years each. And now we're in this last, this last, you know, sort of uh, on the last few hundred years before 
uh, the 6,000-year mark of the seventh cycle, you know, is, 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 is upon us. Now, this, this is the particular concept where this idea is, is debated. So, you know, both Richard Cordovero and Arizal, you know, disputed this concept in general. Um, and so, again, it's an example that I just wanted to bring. But the, what, what, what Ari Kaplan used the principle of the sabbatical cycles was to try and demonstrate the theory, uh, an entertaining theory, a deep theory um, that will try and, you know, somehow reconcile science with, uh, you know, with traditional Jewish uh, thinking. And so, you know, he sort of, Rabbi Arya Kaplan sort of um, justified in a way the fact that we are discussing a theoretical concept. It's not a matter of halacha anymore. This is this is machshva. This is philosophy. And so, in the in the world of of thought, there's much there's a there's much more latitude to explore different ideas. And even if there are authoritative opinions arguing the point, but um, we should make use of these older ideas. Uh, despite the debate, because it, it gives us a, you know, gives us, um, you know, insights. And so many, many Kabbalists uh, supported the idea of uh, sabbatical cycles. And, um, you know, e even even people that were, you know, that 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 taught Darizal. So when he was much younger, we mentioned that um, Darizal learned by the Radvaz, whose the acronym is Rabbi David Ben Zimra, and um, he was he was the the Rav in Yerushalayim who encountered Arizal uh, when he was a lot younger. Uh, the Radvaz was uh, committed to this concept. He thought the idea of sabbatical cycles, um, you know, was a hundred percent. And he quotes he quotes um, earlier Kabbalists, you know, who. Uh, who brought this concept to be to be discussed? And so again, yeah, you have this. Uh, you know, Reb Chaim Bital told us that Darizal saw the Radvaz as one of his main teachers. So it's really interesting to see, um, you know, that that this issue became was so hotly debated uh, in in the philosophy of uh, of of Darizal or the Kabbalah of of Arizal, or Darizal. So anyway, what 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 do we do with this? What do we do with this this idea? And so, what we see is as follows, and that is that as a result of recognizing the fact that there are these sabbatical cycles, that essentially uh, helps us interpret this this Talmudic teaching that there were worlds of previous cycles before Adam Arishon was created, and um, and therefore there. They uh, all these midrashim, uh, you know, um, interpret various psukim in the Torah, and and they interpret this idea coming out of the psukim. So it's not clear, obviously. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a debate. But uh, you know, but um, but but in, so, for example, when the when the Torah opens up with its description of Hashem creating the world, and it tells us, you know, that that vayere vayivoker you know, Yom Echad, uh, you know, so that, that idea that it was, this, it was stated in this kind of way, that it was evening and then it was morning one day, 
So the Midrash Rabbah on this statement says, well, you know, it didn't say day one. It said one day. And so yeah, the Midrash uh, interprets that um, what this mean, what this means is that there were other there were other days before this. Uh, um, and so you know the Midrash came comes along and tells you that this Pasuk, you know, which describes the first paragraph in in in, in Bereshit, this teaches that there were orders of time, you know, before the start of Adam Arishon, you know, in this Torah text and our Jewish history, which is built upon it. And so this is a it's a it's a big hitters, this kind of idea, you know. There's another Midrashic statement which says that Akosh Baruch Hu created universes, you know, and destroyed them. Um, and um, these these two Midrashim can can be joined. And so the worlds that existed in sabbatical cycles before Adam were created, and then they ceased to exist. Um, and so a lot of these are statements clearly in the Midrash, and and uh, again supported by um, passages in the Gemara as well. So if one uh, if one if one looks at uh, at the Gemara, uh, you can you can see support support for this. At least these are theories. Again, you know this is um, you know this, when when uh, when the pasuk says it in a certain cryptic way, so it's open for interpretation. Uh, so when when uh, when we are told there's a midrash that says that I, uh, that Hashem created universes and destroyed them. I mean, you know this. The Arizal interprets this whole concept as that 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 statement is referring to Hashem creating and destroying spiritual realms rather than physical universes. That's the major debate over here. Um, and so, but our Gemara brings, you know, in Pagiga Daf Yud Gimel, the Gemara brings this kind of an idea that there were there were there were there were times there were universes, so to speak, you know, before. Uh, Adam Arishon. And so the Gemara tells us that there were 974 generations before Adam. And uh, the way we get to this number, uh, the Midrash, the Gemara deduces it from, from uh, a Pasuk that we, you know, we say every day in Tehillim Kufay when we daven, we say, Zachal Olam Brito, Davar Tzivra Le'elef Dor. So that, you know, um, Basically, what we are saying is that Akosh Baruch Hu remembers his covenant forever, Zachar Leolam Brito, and then uh, we say Davar Tziva Lelef Dor. His word commanded was in play for you know his his word is, lasts for a thousand generations. Um, so he commanded his values to be in place for a thousand generations so yeah in this idea um this indicates that akosh baruch's value system the torah you know was destined to be given after 1000 generations of history had uh, you know had played itself out okay so if we've got this idea that we have you know davar tziva elef dor so we take the idea that the torah was destined to be given after 1000 Generations. So we work out, you know, where was Moshe Rabbeinu in the history of uh, of this 
this gener- of, of that of the cycle. So we, we can easily make a calculation. We go Adam Adam Arishon until Noach is ten generations. Noach till Avram Avinu is ten generations, and Avram Avinu until uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is six genera is is uh, is six generations. So Moshe Rabbeinu exists in the twenty sixth generation after Adam Arishon, and that's how we get this idea that there's that makes sense out of the thousand years Davar Tziva Le'elef Dor, a thousand generations. So there must have been 974 generations before before Adam, and um, th- this is how various uh, Kabbalists put all these ideas together um, to demonstrate the concept that there that these generations existed in the sabbatical cycles, you know, before Adam's uh, uh, creation. So these are these are ideas that are are you know are well oiled. So this concept of pre Adam cycles, you know, is well known uh, throughout all the earlier sources that 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 we have. Um, anyway, the the classic Rishonim, the Ramban, the Ibn Ezra, you know, Rabbeinu Bachia, they they all you know refer or allude to this particular to, to this particular concept. And so, um, anyway, the, the 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 fact that this concept exists. Um, you know, gave Rabbi Kaplan took this concept. It is brilliant how he did it, and um, he used it based on uh, you know together with some other commentaries that he found from great thinkers, and uh, he put it together to give us a theory about of the universe and and science. And so he quotes uh, various sources that um, that deal with this and. One of one of the people we mentioned when I first gave you some of the historical background of various Kabbalists, um, we read an introduction to the uh, the Shomre Munim, and we spoke about a personality of a, a person who was actually blind, but his name was of Yitzchak of Akko, um, and he was the one that uh, developed this idea. Um, he lived 13th century, 1250. 1350 and um he was one of the pr- prime students of the of the of the ramban and uh, as we know kabbalah was essentially uh limited to a few scholars that we know and inherits his knowledge from from the teachings of the ramban and um you know he quotes various uh kabbalistic works um you know, and again, the Zohar came to came to light in this in this time frame, and so he uh, they investigated it and they start learning from it. Anyway, essentially, this is what he writes, and this is where the the calculations starts getting interesting. So Yitzchak Meako writes that um, since the sabbatical cycles existed before Adam, their chronology must be measured very differently to the way we would measure time today. So we looking at 24 hours um, in a day, and we let's call these, uh, the way we look at human years is what we experience. <clears throat> but what Rabbi Yitzhak wants to suggest is that when, if we go back in time, we need to make a calculation, not so much in 
human years, but in spiritual divine years. So uh, how this exactly plays itself out, you know, it's difficult for me to really explain understand it like what does it mean time it's not physical you're talking about time in another realm if it's completely spiritual then it's above space and time but if you want to take if you want to take that 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 space that dimension of spirituality and convert it to time human time it's a it's a really interesting besides the calculation being interesting but the concept is difficult to actually digest so to be honest with you i'm not i'm not 100 sure how to how to uh you know to explain it well i don't understand it uh, well enough to be able to articulate it properly but this is what this is what they write about so <clears throat> the chronology now is measured in in divine years how, how do you get an equation how do you equate it um, and so this is what we have to appreciate here. Um, the, the Midrashim point to other psukim where, you know, they talk about this idea that the Pasuk King David writes in Tehillim, You know, so that Pasuk, we say it often, a thousand uh, a thousand years, a thousand human years in uh, in human terms, if we convert it to this divine dimension of time, so uh, it's like it's like a, it's like one day long. So a thousand human years equals one divine one so now it doesn't say one 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 thousand earthly years equals a divine you gotta not you know you gotta now say okay what's a divine year well <clears throat> we gotta times whatever we have in human terms by a thousand so if we have in a regular human year 365 and a quarter days and we times that by a thousand to get to what it is in the spiritual dimension. Okay. So we we come to we come to we come to a crazy calculation. Do you need anything? That we that we are that we are human years. So this equation, based on a an interpretation of the pasuk, gives us a way to. You know, you want to know how divine time and human time coincide. He has an equation that is interpreted from the language of the Pasuk. So Rav Yitzchak Miyako came along and said like this. Based on previous Kabbalistic teachings, the Sefer Atmuna is what is quoted here. That, you know, that we are in the, the last of the seven sabbatical cycles of created worlds. So Adam is created, you know, in the year 42,000. Now that's human years. So if you want to get a divine dimension of time, you take 42,000 and you times it by 365,250. And, and that calculation comes out at, 
15 billion 340 million 500,000 years. And that basically is a very similar calculation that science, you know, working with calculations um, to try and work out when the Big Bang took place, this idea of 15 billion years um, is a figure now which exists in the world of Kabbalah too. Um, <clears throat> so that, that was the Hiddush that uh, when I remember reading it, you know, you almost fall off your chair. But um, the fact that, you know, a Kabbalist, you know, living, living in the 13th century comes up with a figure, you know, that is congruent with modern day science. This is a, this, this was like, you know, it was presented by, as I say, Ravaria Kaplan in, in the early 90s. This was the big hiddush and everybody who bought this, bought this book was, was taught. Most of us never really had access to the original Swarim in Hebrew. And, um, and you know, so again, he, what he did was he, he translated it and he put it together and, and offered it to the, you know, offered, offered it to us. Um, anyway, the bottom line is, is that it was an unbelievable theory. But as I mentioned to you, that theory now, the Arizal completely debates. And he's not, he, he hasn't bought this concept. He's going to develop a whole different approach to, you know, physical realms that are created and destroyed. And the theory as to how they are created, when they are created, why they destroyed, you know, is part and parcel of his, of his, of his discussion. Just to finish off the idea behind, you know, behind what we, um, you know, what, 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 what we have just developed here, based on another interpretation of Kabbalists going back so many hundreds of years, um, what we need to appreciate is that they didn't just suck this figure out of their, their thumb. There's like essentially looking at, they're interpreting various psukim, you know, and so when you open up the first paragraph of uh, of Bereshit, of Genesis, and you start to read, you know, Bereshit and then it tells you in the second verse, yes, Hashem created the heaven and the earth, and that the world was, you know, was, was chaos and void. What, what is that? What, what, what does it mean the, the earth was chaos? How do you interpret that? Well, this this is part of this interpretation. The the period of time known as Po and Vo, that particular chaos is used by these Kabbalists to describe the, the, the dimension of, of 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 divine years. Uh, you know, um, in this in this concept of the fifteen billion years, the sabbatical uh, cycle. Now. Part and parcel of the challenge of this particular approach is the fact that seven days of creation would have taken place, you know, no more than 6,000 years ago. And uh, you have to try and work out, you know, how to how to interpret and deal with all these, you know, particular, uh, you know, discrepancies. You know, this is this is this is part of the, the, the challenge that we have. Anyway, essentially. Um, I just I just leave it with 
this idea with you because it's it's sort of like spoken about a lot now since it's been in print for a good 30 plus years at least in english and if you want to read it you know we have a you know you can buy in the book i can send it to you um but essentially um essentially what's happened over here is as follows that this unique theory is not just Rabbi Kaplan's theory. What Rabbi Kaplan did for us is he uh, he translated he translated um, commentaries that uh, that actually quote this particular calculation. Uh, I guess the the contribution of Rabbi Kaplan publishing this is that whenever you get into discussion about controversies and contradictions between science and Torah. If you have somebody with this kind of ability to read into the original sources, um, you you can you can you can somehow propose a correlation. There'll be obviously arguments about it, but essentially, at least you have you have a theory which can uh, which can, re can reconcile the two. So the, the classic Torah sources, you know, maintain that the universe is billions of years old. You know, that, that is the big Hiddush. And many dispute this. And there's been all sorts of controversy, you know, since this idea, you know, hit the market, so to speak. Um, but bottom line is, is that there are two accounts of creation, you know, in, in the Torah. You know, the first speaks or hints to a spiritual infrastructure of the universe, which was completed in, in, in seven days. And then and, and that took place some 15 billion years ago before the Big Bang. And the second account speaks of the creation of Adam Arishon, which took place five, seven, eight, three years ago. Um, and this was Arya Kaplan's contribution or you know, offering to try and demonstrate that there's no conflict between Torah and science on a particular crucial issue. Uh, and the fact that they actually, uh, you know, correspond you know, vindicates um, Torah teaching, so to speak, by modern scientific discoveries. And this is like Rabbi, this is his signature tune, Rabbi Kaplan, when he, uh, you know, when he, um, when he offers us this, this particular essay, that's what he likes to do. And so whenever you have this kind of an issue about is, you know, all these scientific principles that, that, that evolved over time, you know, was the world, is the world, uh, geocentric or heliocentric, you know, how you know, do we revolve around the sun or not? This stuff evolved in modern science, but it's interesting to note, you know, where people stood on this going back all the way back to the earliest of uh, of the times of the Talmud and the Mishnah. What you know, how did where was science at that point in time from a religious point of view? So, this is, um, you know, this is a, a huge issue. But I just, as I might say, I wanted to just mention it more to, to demonstrate that such a crucial issue, which is so well documented by by other great capitalists, um, and they write about it as a as a fantastic. Uh, it's a reason to celebrate the chiddush that you know that that um, you know that uh, that was written you know in in the in the twelve hundreds, and um, so he. Uh, Ravaria Kaplan actually brings the original, the original piece, so you can actually see it in the Hebrew. Um, it's fantastic arts there because so he quotes it. He you know he quotes. He says you know, um, 
the, the statement starts from this drosha of the Otsar Chaim. He quotes from Yitzchak Miyako. He says, Ani atzair Yitzchak Dmin Ako. You know, are the, the young uh, Yitzchak from the place of Ako. Raiti lichtov sod gadol. You know, I've seen fit to record a great mystery that should be kept very well hidden. Well, I guess we're, we're in trouble uh, because we're speaking about it. Um, but he writes this out. So I guess it was hidden from that time until uh, it became, I guess, necessary to reveal it, uh, to defend classic Yiddishkeit against scientific um, objection. So maybe that's the time that, that that's worth bringing to light. You know, that's what he writes. So he says, Da, you should know, uh, you know, one, one day in God, so to speak, dimension of time, in the earlier dimensions of time, was a thousand years of ours, quotes the Pasuk. And then he does the calculation. He says very simply, you know, the 365 and a quarter days, he's already quoting the 365 and a quarter. Um, and um, this is long before modern science is dealing. I mean, even our calendars, the Gregorian calendar, which was taking into account the extra quarter year. I mean, this was much, much later than this has been, this has been written. Anyway, the bottom line is, is that... Um, he he comes up. This is this is something already from Yitzchak Miyako in the thirteenth in the thirteenth century. So um, okay, that's um, the, so. This particular theory now is also used to describe uh, um, you know how the how the how the when the Torah describes the longevity of various people, you know. Um, you know how to understand the the, the transition. Um, he come he comes up with a theory of Yitzchak Miyako to try and demonstrate that um, when a, if a if a if a per, if a young child, God forbid, you know, dies uh, younger than three years old, so we say that a baby has died. Um, you know, tragic. The baby's died. Hasn't lived for long. But in the ultimate future, if a hundred-year-old man should die, we'll say that a baby has died. You know, in the days of old, because the extreme longevity of people uh, that people will enjoy when Mashiach comes and the world will be fixed and returned to a different time dimension. This is an extension of this particular, um, you know, discussion as well. So, you know, he ends off by saying that. You know, we see that the world has existed for a very long time. You know, This is to refute the opinion of those who say that the world has not existed more than 49,000 years, which is seven sabbatical cycles. So in conclusion, what you see here from this particular uh, quote from this Kabbalist, Yitzchak Miyako, is that he was not only was he talking about, uh, um, you know, up upending the theory that we are only five, seven, eight, three years old, but that there was a Kabbalistic theory that we in the seventh cycle, so we at least forty-two thousand. He's then saying, no, the forty-two thousand is 
human years. We need to uh, interpret and calculate in divine years. And that brought us to 15 billion years of time in some dimension of some sort, which we can't really appreciate properly. But all of that is to try and uh, interpret, you know, what, uh, what it means that Hashem created the world um, and that there were worlds that existed before Adam Arishon. Anyway, that was my, uh, you know, attempt to just demonstrate one of the classic, uh, you know, authentic Kabbalistic opinions, which were not popular or still are not that popular uh, even today. And the reason that they're not popular is because the Arizal disagreed with it. And so since most Kabbalistic teachings today, you know, are based on the understanding of the Ariz Kabbalah, um, this particular principle, you know, is not is not uh, is not that uh, well known. I think until until the discussion published here yeah, in English by Rabbi Kaplan, I don't think anybody else published it in English. So for the English speaking from world, this was probably one of the first uh, encounters that they had with this particular uh, ancient idea. And again. Rabbi Kaplan used it because his whole his whole approach uh, in Yiddishkeit was so much to use ancient texts and Torah true texts, you know, to engage and excite um, the modern Jew who is exploring spirituality outside uh, the authentic Torah forum. And so, in order to combat people who are looking for spirituality. And getting involved into all different mystical systems that other people were inventing or developing um, to to stop that danger encroaching upon Amisrael, uh, his his modus operandi was to produce Torah works that would um, that would stop that and demonstrate how how much depth there is to to uh, Torah wisdom, and this is one of the ways that he did it. Controversial, but you know incredibly useful. Um, if you are trying to get into a discussion and you don't want to have to simply accept that there's a contradiction between science and Torah, which there may be, and uh, you know, people of faith might not have a problem with that. Um, but here was one approach that uh, he took, which he felt was um, you know, a worthwhile approach to try and demonstrate that the two don't uh, contradict each other, and they can't. Because God created the universe, then science should be the Bible's best friend. And so this is one such example where this, uh, where this takes place. So, um, okay, going back just quickly before we wrap up for today, but going back to what we, what we are going to look at more in depth, is we're looking to try and uh, understand the, the basic or fundamental foundational principles, you know, of, of the Arizal's Kabbalah, and um, we had we had begun to discuss the concept of Gilgul of this reincarnation, and um, we're going to go a little bit more into trying to understand, you know, what you know what it's based on. And as much as I can understand and give over to you um, the nature of uh, of his particular concepts. So we'll continue Bezrat Hashem uh, next week uh, to try and see if I can. Uh, give you a few more principles, um, you know, in Arizal's Kabbalah. Okay, so wish you well. Um, have a great week.
Thank you. Will you? Will they be shearing during the holidays, Reva? Because I think um, next week is the last week of school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, we generally break for holidays. So, um, yeah, let's work out the dates. And um, thank, thanks for reminding me. Okay. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank, thank you, Reva. Thanks, Reva. Thank you.